Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the pre-show for your uh, episode of Down Under this week. I don't know which this is going to get attached to. I believe it's episode 129, which will be a wonderful interview. The last of the series of interviews I'm doing with the top players in the lead-up to the LVO and the end of the RTC season, that being the episode with John Lennon, so please stay tuned for that. But... Before then, I've got a wonderful interview with my brother from another mother. His name is Joshua Diffie. You might know him from the very... He's, he's like me, but all the stuff that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I, might, I might entice you ears from time to time, but Diffie's the guy that actually makes your life easier, better, and makes everything go. Hello, brother. Welcome to the show. Uh, what an intro. It is great to be here again. It's been a while between drinks, hasn't it, my man? It has, it has. I cannot honestly remember the last uh, last of your podcast shenanigans I've been involved with. There was a, quite a few in the early days, especially. Um, I did lean yeah. on you for quite some time for helping me get content off and running. And of course, I started this whole journey with you at the start of things. Like, I mean, we started the Down Another Network together, which uh, just, just like, just off the cuff, we were the first network. Thank you very much. Everyone stole our idea. Now everyone's got a freaking network, and we oh, don't, yeah. but hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> So true. But but we're here to discuss a brand new endeavor that you are undertaking on behalf of just literally the whole of the South Pacific, it feels like. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing, brother. Yeah, so uh, I I have started a new circuit. Um, It's the Oceanic Champions Circuit, or the OCC. Uh, And it's pretty much, in a nutshell, its goal is to... Uh, be a qualifying series or events or series of events um, to get people to the Oceanic Championships of Warhammer, um, uh, which is a qualifier event for the World Championships of Warhammer, uh, which is going to be held in Atlanta in November. So, so the big G-Dub shebang, you're at, you want to you get some you know, Australian, New Zealand, some Southeast Asian influence over to that, and so you've created a circuit in order to send some, some of our best and brightest over there? Yeah, pretty much that's it in a nutshell. So obviously the um, the cost of getting people from Australia and New Zealand all the way to the US is um, is quite cost prohibitive for a lot of people uh, compared to some of uh, the other countries. And so to do that, um, I put together a circuit which will help raise funds to cover those flights and accommodation for the winners. Uh, and yeah, fantastic. All right, so straight up, let's go for the let's go for the quick and dirty uh, things. How many events? Bring we, it. We, how many events are we looking at? Well, uh, so approximately two events per state in Australia yep. uh, will have a qualifier status for the Oceanic Finals. Yep, uh, and three events in New Zealand uh, will have qualifier status for the for the finals. Yep. Uh, the way we're handling that is uh, each of the winners of the qualifier events will get free entry to uh, the uh, Oceanic Finals, and then uh, we will top that player count up, uh, most likely to 32 players, but we're kind of playing around with formats and numbers, um, so it's a bit of a, a to be confirmed. Uh, we will top that up with rankings uh, of people in the circuit. So. In addition to the qualifier series events, any event in Australia, New Zealand uh, can uh, can submit their results to the circuit the same way. Yeah, to the circuit mm-hmm. the same way they would, for example, to the ITC. Yeah, 
Oh, um, dude, this is this is sick. So not only you don't actually have to win one of these events, you just have to go and perform well at a couple of uh, the good enough to get into the qualify. So you don't you don't have to, you can auto qualify by what getting a podium or winning one of these. But if you just winning if, one, yeah. if, if you just get like top ten consistently, you might find yourself in the top up numbers regardless. So there's a little bit of a back door yeah. there for people. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, and so this is uh, for Warhammer forty thousand uh, Age of Sigma. Kill Team and Underworlds. Yeah. Obviously, most of the listeners probably for this podcast are more 40k focused. Um, but you know, there's uh, hopefully if if you're a crossover kind of player and uh, uh, and it's the first you're hearing about it, feel free to share it in your groups. Mate, I can tell you from my community, a lot of dabblers, a lot of dabblers here and there. Uh-huh. And this is, this is the big deal, actually. This is part. Of, this is almost the biggest deal of this because we've had master circuits before. We've had internal tournament circuits in Australia, especially like the community comp circuit back in the way old years. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had very similar things. What differentiates this one is that it, it's got that big G-Dub feel that things like Adepticon, things like their big Keystone events in the US have got, where it's not just 40K. You've got big AOS tournaments. You've got hopefully big components of many other games. It's going to hopefully bring the whole community together as a whole, not just, you know, being centered about around one game. So do you know when the first one is in the circuit? I sure do. Uh, the very first um, event in the circuit will be uh, Uprising. Uh, yeah. Which is literally well, as of recording, it'll be this weekend. Um, it could have been last weekend if you're listening. It will have finished. <laughs> it will have finished uh, a day ago by the time you guys are listening to this. Yeah, with hopefully so, myself being the first of the qualifiers. No kidding. <laughs> well, so uh, uprising is a little different to the other qualifier events uh, um, for probably a couple of reasons. Um, the main one being it's a 240 player mm-hmm. event, which pretty much dwarfs almost everything else in Australia from a 40K standpoint. Absolutely. Uh, And so the winner of Uprising will actually be the first qualifier for the World Championships of Warhammer. Oh, wow. So the winner of Uprising auto-qualifies for the big dance. They go go straight to the big dance. That's fantastic. Um, So that'll include uh, flights and accommodation and, uh, yeah, to uh, from – from Australia to Atlanta um, uh, in November. Dude. In addition to that, we are going to give second place um, the spot at the Oceanic Championships. That's really um, cool. For like that, you know, you came second at a 240-player event. Um, yeah, like you deserve <laughs> to be at the finals. <laughs> and, and third place? Ah, see you later. Never heard of you. Nothing for Tough you. Luck. Nothing for you. Uh, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> um, how how long have you been planning this? How, how long has this taken you to put, to put together? <laughs> um, it's some, it sounds like something that should have taken a while, um, but the first I heard of um, any of this and started on this endeavour um, was um, November, so like yep. less than probably less than two months um, so, from conception to um, to to where we are now. And did someone put you up to it, or is this your own uh, self-starting goodness? Um, uh, well, uh, like, I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, Games Workshop wanted to see Australia and New Zealand represented at the world championships. Fantastic. Uh, and so, uh, the way these work on the most part with probably a few exceptions, because Games Workshop can do what Games Workshop does, um, uh, most will be event funded 
uh, flights and accommodation. That's cool. So up, effectively, uprising is covering the cost for flights and accommodation to um, to Worlds for their winner. Um, uh, the Oceanic Championship circuit will be um, chipping in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that's that's the that's the general goal. Um, Self funded. Really, really, really cool. Uh, and so this is is it is it a G Dub run or is it G Dub endorsed or G Dub affiliated? Where's the link there? So. Uh, Something I've got to be quite clear about, uh, even though I may have been, uh, taken some liberties with naming, <laughs> yep. uh, the Oceanic Championships of Warhammer is not a games workshop run event, uh, and one of the uh, qualifier or has the qualifier status. Um, it's an independent, independently run event, mm-hmm. um, just like. Um, uh, a number of events throughout Europe that's getting it, uh, like uh, London GT, I believe, yep. is probably you know they they had their winner of overall went to um, the finals uh, last year. So I would imagine um, something similar um, would occur this year, although I, don't, I can neither confirm nor deny because um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's um, we are we're super pumped. Uh, I've been working with a number of uh, people throughout the community. Um, I just want to do it like by no means is this uh, um, an extensive list or a complete list of the people that have helped get this off the ground. But I do want to do a big shout out to uh, Joshua McGowan from Queensland, mm-hmm. Adam Napier from South Australia and Ben Way from New South Wales. Um, uh, they have been pivotal uh, in spitballing ideas and uh, getting this uh, off the ground. Phenomenal. Because one of the scariest things um, <laughs> to do is before having uh, really any idea if this is going to work, committing to cover the flights and accommodation for at yep. least two people. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it's, it's it's a big chunk of money. Um, it might so... not sound like much people <laughs> overseas, but that's like six, seven thousand bucks a year, straight up. Yeah. yeah, so that, that's that's pretty pretty big to take on yourself. And uh, thank you very much for being the guy to stand up with the cojones and just put up the hand and be like, "I'll run it. I'll make it happen." Are you seeking any tos at the moment? How well have you gone? Um, you know, getting tos for some of the more obscure games, the less popular games in Australia. So forty k um, is probably where I'm I'm most well known and have the largest reach. So I've uh, been quite um, successful in in getting. Um, most of the states, um, well, New Zealand, like all three of the qualifier events have already been allocated. Um, WA have their two 40K qualifier events allocated. SA, sorry, South Australia, I think have both. I've got to, I might have to confirm one of them, but um, like we're, we're pretty much knocking them off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, AOS, uh, Kill Team and Underworlds uh, are, are, are not as far ahead. Um, and there's a few reasons behind that. One, I'm I'm just not as well known um, in yep. that those communities, and that's something I'm I'm trying to find the right people to partner with um, to push that mm. to push that agenda. Uh, and the other thing uh, is that like some of our the smaller game systems like Kill Team uh, and Underworlds, they've just got a much smaller community within Australia. Yeah, exactly right. Well, for any people listening out there who maybe, you know, have a toe dipped in those games and want to step up to the plate, you know, where can they find you, mate? Because this is a phenomenal opportunity to get at the start of something that could go for decades. This could be the heartstone of the competitive circuit in Australia for literal years and years to come. Yeah, so, I mean, the easiest 
Um, easiest way to find me or find the, the circuit is uh, occ.events. Um, that will have links to Facebook and Twitter and like blog posts and like FAQs as we as we progress. Um, it's fairly light on at the moment because uh, GW only did the official release, I don't know, approximately two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've kind of been lagging behind that a little bit. Uh, but that will just um, continue to, to ramp up and, and hopefully go from, you know, strength to strength uh, throughout the season. Dude, can't wait. Absolutely thrilled to see this thing get off the ground. Um, anything else we haven't mentioned or haven't covered before we sign off? Oh, um, good question. No, look, I, I mean, that's the main thing that I, I was really keen to, to get on to talk about. Mm. Um, the, the, the one thing I just want to keep stressing uh, to, to everyone, you know, I am, and I feel Adam's probably in a similar boat to me, I, my energy, my drive uh, often comes from other people's passions yeah, and drive as well. Um, so, you know, while I'm uh, less familiar with, you know, Age of Sigmar, Kill Team and Underworlds, um, I do want to stress, like, if if you are passionate about that game, like, you have my support as well um, mm-hmm. and Games Workshop support. Obviously, Games Workshop is their, it's their games. But, um, uh, yeah, if, if you need help uh, either getting involved in the circuit or, um, you know, the other thing I've been trying to um, say to people, I'm not the only path to uh, the uh, championships of Warhammer uh, in the Australian New Zealand space. If you have an existing event uh, that you feel – uh, you know, can can support um, covering you know at least some of the costs for a player to go. Uh, then by all means, there's a um, an application process. Um, my suggestion: feel free to reach out to, to us at the circuit, uh, and uh, if you know if you've got the the capacity, then we can obviously um, assist with getting that that qualifier status. That's what we did with Uprising, um, and uh, you know had a chat with with Adam Napier from. Um, from Uprising, one of the uh, event organisers, and basically said, you know, would you like to be your own uh, qualifier as well? Um, they effectively said, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I pulled the strings and made it happen. Fan-freaking-tastic. And great to hear that, you know, should people be scared by, you know, being an orc and something, they can have some autonomy if they want. Not that, Why would you want to, though? Just, just be in the big pile with the rest and enjoy it and be involved. But anyway, mate, on that note, we will sign off and finish this little mini episode before the, the, the big one for you guys. Hopefully you will stay with us and... Uh, listen to the wonderful John Lennon episode that's coming up. And if you do, I do see you at Uprising, or I did see you at Uprising, hello, thank you for coming to Say G'day. You'll see me at freaking LVO this weekend, so make sure you come up and say G'day. I'll be at the streaming booth. Give me a cr- nice crisp high five, and don't ask me to sign anything. Diffie, you're going to be at Uprising as well. Um, so, yeah, come say G'day to yep. any of us. And LVO. And LVO. Oh, did you come to when, did, when, when were you going to tell yeah. me you were coming to LVO? I swear I've already told you that. You probably have. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I think I land on the Wednesday and I fly home the sat- late the Saturday night. So I'm leaving a little early. Yep. I've got to make it back for my kids' first day of school. Dude, dead sad. This is the things that this man does for this community. So make sure you, you do give him some uh, time of day if you need to be. But anyway, thank you very much for coming on, brother. Got all the time. Love you long time. I'll, I'll, have you on, I'll have you on again in another three to six months and we'll check in on how the, the circuit's doing, who's qualifying <laughs> and whatnot. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool segment to do. Anyway, take care, mate, and thanks very much. Peace. It's 
It's time to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode. I think 130, could be 129 when it's all said and done. I am piling on the content, slamming it away in the content bank while I get ready to jet off, go to Uprising, go to LVO, get on the road, do a bunch of different things. I am joined by one of my most favoritest of peoples. Uh, you might know him as the Boy King of 40k. He is currently ranked at number three in the world, and this is the final of our interviews at the top in the lead-up to the granddaddy of them all, LVO 10, and the end of this ITC season. His name is John Lennon. How you doing, mate? And welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Always happy to be on here, Adam. I like to think you saved the best for last. Undeniably. <laughs> now that you are now that you are last, I can't I can't say otherwise, right? You know, the other exactly. guys have, they've, they've had their moment. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Jack would disagree, but uh, and we are here to. I'm going to be interviewing you, not you know, as a mate, but first and foremost as an interviewer, interviewing one of the top players in the world, somebody who's had a phenomenal season so far. And not only that, it seems like you've put together a COVID with COVID years withstanding. You've put together three top five seasons in a row. And I'm definitely going to be asking you some questions about that. Because uh, going into the last... Is that is that true to say? Going into the last three LVOs, you've been in the top five? If not the top ten, for sure, right? Um, The last two LVOs, um, I was in the... Uh, I finished... I, I think I came into the event in the top five and finished in the top three. That's uh, a hell of an achievement in itself. That's uh, You keep that up for another couple of years, that'll be a, a Sean Naden-esque run that we'll be talking about in the hallowed halls of our great game. <laughs> well, let's hope. Right? Just got <laughs> to do, do it a couple more years. Well, you're surely not too old, so <laughs> there is that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to be interviewing John from a top-level perspective, talking about his uh, thoughts on the game, what he's enjoying, how he's done so well, what he's played, what he's won, etc., his triumphs, his tribulations, and everything therein. Um, but this is a two-part podcast. Uh, those of you who do not know, Art of War Down Under is a two-part show. In addition to that, there's also a juicy little bite-size that I've been doing as well, exclusively for the patrons, and that is the only place to get my content now apart from the loving part twos that come out uh are joining the art of war uh network that competitive 40k network for you guys which you can join all aggregates courtesy of the great people at art of war uh but part two can only be found at uh art of war that under over on patreon so join us there if you want that part two john plug the things that you do the things with oh absolutely i do all kinds of things adam you already know that so yes, what i do is uh, I am on the Art of War YouTube channel and on our website. You can go right over there, uh, youtube.com slash artofwar40k, or to our website, theartofwar40k.com. And the best thing you can find there is access to the War Room. Uh, we have a brand new website that we just updated. It looks pretty spiffy. Uh, in the War Room, you can find all the top players, such as myself, Richard Siegler, Jack Harpster, you know, even maybe even some people that have been interviewed for this very series, and they're there to talk about uh, Warhammer 40k. They're there to coach you on how to become a better Warhammer player. Uh, we've got all the top uh, you know, tips and tricks, and we have a wonderful Discord. It's a great global community. Uh, it's very positive. Uh, there's no you know, trolling or spam or anything like that. It's all just positive Warhammer engagement by people who love the hobby and who want to get better at it. Fan-freaking-tastic. Cannot recommend it highly enough, especially if you want to get better at the game, you want to learn more about the game, you want to do all that good stuff. Go and get involved. Art of War is the best in the biz. All right, jumping in, John, to this interview. 
Impressions of the meta right now. I know uh, we are talking two different... We're going to be talking two different metas because there's the pre-LVO meta and there's the post-LVO meta for yourself. Tell us about your impressions of the meta right now going into the Big Daddy. Um, right now, go, going into LVO, it feels like there are actually a lot of armies that can be fairly competitive, uh, which is a bit surprising. It normally feels like LVO has a bit more... Uh, I, I think the meta is solved. It's just that there we've solved and there isn't a single dog on top. Because, um, you know, going into the past two LVOs, I think the past three, actually, it felt like there was a one defined the list, and there were things that could go counter to it, but it feels like the list right now is not at the same level. Yeah. And like, last year, I think Custodes was the best army. Before that, um, you know, Custodes and Crusher Stampede were, like, the top two easily. Mm. And then before that, it was Space Marines with Iron Hands being the best. Before that, it was Guard and Castle, and before that, it was Yanari. Um, I, at least from my conversations with uh, a lot of top players, it feels like there's going to be a little bit less alignment than normal. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I could see, I mean, and, and you're exactly right, in years gone by, there was clearly the one that it was expected to win, and then there was the mm. there was the rest, or there was the one and two that was expected to win. This year, it's probably the five that are expected to win, and then there's the rest. Like, yeah, like I, I, yeah. I can think of more than four armies that I think should be a top four army at LVO. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's that, right. it's not going to work that way. It can't. All right, let, let's do it. All right, we've got T-Suns, Flamers. we got yeah, T-Suns, Flamers. Tyranids, Harlequins. Harlequins. I think yep. Tau should be a top, uh, a top army. Um, and, then I, and then I think we're into sleeper territory. I said uh, I've recorded on a previous podcast that I... I wouldn't be surprised if you had to put Orc, if, if by the end of LVO in this meta we had to call Orcs one of the top armies as well. It's just Ooh. I'm not sure if we've got the player to carry them, as in to put the faction on their back and just go with it. Just because I think their secondary game is enormous, uh, and the other one would be Necrons, because if you need to just dodge a shadow round, well, you know, putting up six 100 point wins is a good way to do it. Yeah, right. Like I feel like Necrons like are actually like one of the top armies in the game. I think that they're underperforming their potential if i'm being honest well um, so i could totally see them popping up you know someone just takes them to a clean 597 points in the first six rounds dodges yes. a shot around yep. he's in first place gets the guy who squeaks into eighth and puts 97 points on him too exactly right with 1200 players you could just go necro you could just ungabunga necrons go first in the games you need that are the problem games and just put mm -hmm. up too big a score and, and, and just do it. Just do the thing. Um, oh, I've gotten it, I've gotten some ninety point losses on Necrons where I table them. They're like, yeah, I've already already got all my points. Me, me too, man. God. Me too. I, I I tabled the guy at the top of turn four, and he still won. Top four. <laughs> top of four, dude. Deathwing just plateaus. I got to tell you, this is why I do not play Deathwing because they plateau in their scoring so freaking hard without like having mm -hmm. stubborn defiance. You just like. Well, I can't get to the... I'm too slow to put up a, 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 enough banners to get a 15, is essentially what happened. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, um, jumping into the rest of that unpack, what is your impressions of the post-LVO meta? Oh, post-LVO is going to be a wild, wild ride. I think that we're going to end up with it starting off with a lot of guns. I think I don't know if that's going to be the final answer for, uh, for Arcs of Omen. But I do think that there will be a ton of guns at the start as people, you know, dust off the Iron Hands army that they primed black three years ago. Uh, people dust off the the guard army that they primed gray six years ago. <laughs> uh, there's some common themes here and it's all coming back at once. You know, just 
just buy one box of Kasserkin for you know $130 on eBay, and uh, you know then dust off an old guard army and you're good to go. And that is totally fair, right? I mean, maybe you get some uh, extra Plasmacutioner turrets, but I think most of us, most of the guard treadheads, have plenty of those because they were they were probably the best one in seventh edition as well. Um, yeah, they've been good before. So, like, I I, yeah. I had a bunch already in storage, and I'm like, oh, let me just break these out again. No big deal. Exactly right. I've got a bunch too. I, I don't have I don't have the six that I or seven possibly that I want, but I definitely have four already. So the other two aren't going to be hard to find. Uh, in saying that. Are you looking forward to it? I am. I think that the meta will adapt pretty quickly to the influx of long-range firepower. Uh, I think free strategic reserves, a bunch of you know tricky armies that score points, etc. I think will all you know combine to be pretty spicy. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, yeah, I, I I am excited for the post LVO meta just because even though there isn't a single answer, it does feel like the LVO meta solved. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. It feels like the LVO meta has been set almost for. The, the full month of january or you know from december to january it's been like yeah cool this is what this is what we expect but in saying that the question i was going to put to you is there going to be a left field army i said you suppose you said there isn't where you know uh, a group coalesces uh the next top list together like a brovithan a double spionari a bunch of people bring it and go the distance or is that what people think t-sons and flamers are I, I think that t-sons and flamers is going to be the single most represented army among the you know, the top player population, however you want to, you know, pretend mm-hmm. to measure that. Um, that. That would be my guess. But again, it's it's really easy to imagine a world where there's a couple T-Sun and Flamer players and then a bunch of people on everything else who have gotten a couple reps into T-Suns and Flamers and they're able to kind of power through it. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, unlike previous metas, right, because at the time of WSP Yunari, nothing could hang with Double Speed Yunari. T-Suns yeah, you know, getting a rep into it didn't ch- save you from Nick exactly, Nardavadi on Double Speed Yunari. Exactly freaking right. All the other five sharks that were taking it that year. Um, mm-hmm. And the same for Brovithan. Doesn't matter. You could test into Brovithan. Don't care. Like, <laughs> you ain't got the time uh, to crack this nut. But you're saying that the, because the meta is solved, there is none of that, right? Everyone's got enough time, enough reps, and the, the top armies aren't overwhelmingly powerful. Exactly. Yeah, the top armies are really good. They're on top for a reason. There's a reason, you know, and, you know, a great player on them is going to be really hard to beat. But even though they're going to go knock out some great players, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they're that it's hopeless. You know, it's not where you're just looking at this like, I don't know what I could have done. I think that there's going to be ways to beat all those top armies. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we will get one or two left field spoilers. Like, and I agree, orcs could be that army. You know, maybe uh, maybe a player like, uh, you know, Ben Jurek uh, can repeat his uh, miraculous SoCal mm. one. Um, but I, I could I could see one army. I think there's going to be one army in the top four that is like a real like, oh, didn't see that coming. You know, like an orcs like a blood angels like an army that we all we all know is good you know like no one's like oh yeah blood angels are a bad army yeah but none of us are really expecting like an or like a goth orc rush to make the top four mm. of course you know by speaking into existence now i get all the credit <laughs> if it happens but uh <laughs> like no no one's like actually putting money on that or really expecting that and it, it could it could be a real thing mm. You're absolutely right. Could be a damn real thing for all we know. Uh, in, so I, I just had a wild thought. Do you think so? Uprising, which is coming up for me very shortly, is using all the new stuff. But we know Nottingham in the UK won't be. We know LVO isn't. Are they doing? Are they doing us a favor by giving us a buffer of not of of big events where we don't have to scramble for all this new stuff? So. Because you know, that's when the craziness usually happens. It's usually in the first month to six weeks of the new thing before people have actually 
figured out what the meta is and how to how to walk into it, have some more time to get practice games. That's when the madness really occurs, right? I absolutely think so. I think the madness occurs like a couple weeks in when like ever when everyone's orders arrive. You know, like like if they, if I had an Arcs of Omen tournament this weekend, I wouldn't have thirty Black Knights ready painted. You know, uh, but if you give me another month, you say after LVO, if I wanted to, I could have thirty Black Knights painted the week after LVO. Oh, that's delicious! Um, I love it. You better do that at some point. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I've I've been working on guard for a month, and I'm looking at this and the fact that I don't have to bring guard to LVO. And I'm like, oh, cool! I've got you know another two, month and a half to paint guard before I really have to have it done. Hmm, I'm happy with that. All right, let's move into talking a little bit about yourself in this great hobby. How did you get started? What was your first army? How did it, how did it go? Oh, man. Um, I got started on the hobby in general, like Games Workshop, a very long time ago. Uh, like I think like my introduction to the hobby, because uh, let me see, this was about 15 plus years ago, maybe 16 years ago. Uh, I got like a Lord of the Rings video game and it had like a little ad on the back with like Lord of the Rings models. And I went to the website and I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like six months later, a friend of mine saw an ad for it and he was like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Like I've heard of this Lord of the Rings game. And I ended up getting like a box of like orcs and he got a box of like, you know, Rohan cavalry or something. And we know that we each got a couple more boxes, played a little bit, got, you know, one rule book or whatever. It was the bare yeah. minimum to play the game. Um, that kind of got me in, and then at the end of it, I kind of wanted more, and he wanted less. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, when I started going to the game store, everyone there played Warhammer. They didn't play Lord of the Rings. Like, no, one, no one actually played Lord of the Rings. And I came back to him, and I'm like, hey, what about what about this? It's sci-fi. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, sci-fi is better than Lord of the Rings. So, so we, we kind of got into it together. He ended up falling out of the hobby, but I think on my 12th birthday, I got a like a tiered codex in a box of Gaunts, and it very very quickly snowballed <laughs> and, Love you know then it. i was like mowing, mowing lawns for like you know like this summer in order to buy a carnifex at the end of it you know like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah and it just tyrannids all the way Mate, that resonates with me uh that that mode of getting into the hobby and sustaining it how old were you mm-hmm. when you when you got the when you were doing that like cause what, oh 40k 40k was 12 my 12th birthday. You're 12 years old. I was about to say, yep. 12, 15 years ago, were you bought? Nah, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was like interested in it before then, but like, I, I, I distinctly remember my first models being on the way back from school, 12th birthday. Mom, you know, stopped by and was like, all right, I'm going to buy you one book and one box. And oh, I got Turing Codex and a box of guns. That's sick. That is Yeah. Huge. It's, um, it's a classic way to start, you know? Absolutely is. Absolutely is. That's it's fantastic to hear as well, getting in so early and then maintaining it. I think that is a, Actually, quite a rare thing these days. I mean, I, know, I certainly know most of my uh, group either picked it up as adults or picked it up as teens and put it down again and picked it up as adults. Um, but you've just been just been going hard ever since. I think that's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I haven't taken any like distinct breaks. Like I took like semester long breaks, but like I never took like an addition off. You know, like every, yeah. every time I like went off to college, left the armies at home, I would come back and like go to the like you know on like over Christmas break, I'd like go to local game store get mm-hmm. a game or two. You know, you know, and then like over the summer, I'd go to a tournament or two. What's the what's the bug affinity? What's the tyranny affinity? Um, oh man, I, it started off with it just how alien they were. Yep. Um, which I just I just liked that they were not like a typical like sci-fi fantasy race. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were very distinct. Um, I also really liked like that they didn't have character and that they were disposable. Because you know, like my buddy would be like, "Oh, Commander Brightstar will never die," and I'm like, "Yeah, um, these are problem. all gonna die killing, <laughs> and they're gonna eat Commander Brightstar first. 
Um, like, I don't care if they die. I, I kind of liked that aspect where, like, they were very disposable. And I was like, yeah, I don't care if they die. I don't care if you table me. Like, I'm just trying to eat you and, you know, see how many see how many points I score. But, like, I, I know I'm dead at the end. It's, it's fine. So I, I kind of really like that aspect. And I like the alien aesthetic. Um, then I like the lore tournaments as well. So, I was, you know, it's just like I read that tier codex over and over and over. Sick. All right. Uh, biggest passions and pet peeves in 40K? Oh, man. Um, passions? in 40k honestly like the, my favorite part is like you know obviously i i like competing i like playing the game i also really like it when you get to like meet a hobbyist and just like kind of nerd out for five minutes yeah you know like between the rounds like like i walk up to someone and they've got a space marine army but it's painted in a different way and like you can tell like they've put a lot of love in, into it and i can just walk up and be like "Ooh, is that a howling griffin army over there and they get like so excited and be like yeah it's howling griffins man and then they just like talk about it for five minutes i honestly like really love that part of the hobby mm. Because, you know, like, some people walk up and they're like, hmm, your space marines are blue with a white toilet seat on them. And they're like, you know, it's ultramarines. <laughs> and, like, some people are like, ah, I don't know what an ultramarine is. Like, you know, some people are just, like, yeah. so detached from the floor. I kind of like it when you get to marry the two a little bit. Yeah. And you get those players who are competing, but also, like, you know, put the effort into the lore as well. I, uh, I totally agree. I do like the uh, the multi-threat players, the people who are mm-hmm. multi, multi-leveled in their hobby. Well, only because I, that's, what, that's what I try and be. I try and enjoy this hobby at every level because I think that's that's how I like it best. The holistic, wrap it all around me like a big furry coat, kind of, kind of yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, I like I like to be neck deep at all times. But it, it's mm-hmm. beautiful to hear that you know you enjoy m- multiple levels of the hobby yourself. And I think that's that's great for people at home knowing, hey, this guy is one of the best in the world, and he isn't just here to crush skulls with top tier stuff. He enjoys it. Uh, biggest peeve, if you're willing to speak to it. Oh man, um, hard to think about. I mean. Uh, this is going to sound weird. Like my, my biggest pet peeve, I think honestly is when people take it a little too seriously, which is like, there, there's a right way to take it seriously. Like I obviously put, I obviously take it seriously. You know, I've, I've made it my day job and I put a, a large number of hours into the overall Warhammer experience. But then there's, you know, you know, when there's kind of that moment at the table, where you're like, Hey, let's uh maybe, you know, take, take a deep breath here. Like, like take a second. That's, that's the biggest one for me. Mm. So you're saying they they're putting, the the game putting, before putting the game before the experience before the, be the best way yeah, before the, yeah exactly right i uh, do find that is becoming do you think that that's becoming less or more prevalent less these days? less yeah. what do you think is causing but it, that? but it makes me more mad because then it reminds me because like yes. i can go like a couple of months of tournaments without like having that be a problem and then like you know random like random tournament you know round some you know someone i haven't played before and all of a sudden i'm like flashing back to like fifth edition when people would like sit there and count dice one by one so that you didn't have time to finish your game. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's terrible back then. Uh, no, the game is so much better now than it was then. Oh, it's phenomenally better. Anybody who says anything otherwise really doesn't remember. Very selective uh, <laughs> yeah. memory. Uh, Peeves-wise, that, that is a really, really good one. I a, yeah, I, th- very- I think that's the one that gets me, because, like, you know, I'm, I, I guess, like, in order to make it my job, I've had to, because I've, I've been at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not enjoying my work anymore. Mm. And so I, I really try to keep it at a, yes, I'm going to try to do as well as I can, but I'm also going to make sure that I'm keeping up like my love for the hobby. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, cause that, that's more important to me. Like I, I need to, I need to have fun at LVO more than I need to win LVO. Mm. And I, now, I, I would like to do both though. To I, be clear. I, I, I do really find to both. the longer, the longer people are in the hobby, the more chill they are with. I find the more chill I am about stuff. Like if I if I go to an event and I just lay an egg, 
Like, it's one event out of the probably minimum 12, possibly up to 20 that I'm doing that year. And I've done Ooh, that many. You go to more events than I do. I've done, well, yeah, I've actually been going to a crap load this year. And I've done that for, you know, six years I've been actively going to tournaments. So if, if one of them I lay an egg, that's one out of 100 that I've been to in like the last like six, seven, eight years. So who cares? Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Do you have the, t- like, what's the term in uh, America? Like, we, we say we're not playing for sheep stations. Just chill. We're not playing for sheep stations. Let's. Oh, I, I don't. What does that mean? Uh, so sheep, the sheep station is like a sheep farm, which would be like a big. Is that is that a lot? Is that? It's a lot. It'd be, it'd be like oh, okay. it, it could it could be anything. A sheep station could be anything up to the size of a small European nation in Australia. So when oh, you're saying wow, okay. when you're saying you're not playing for sheep stations, so like the size of like an American high school, got it? Possibly. Uh, when you're saying you're not playing for sheep stations, you're like we're not playing a serious game for keepsies here. There's no pink slips. There's no nothing but a little bit of reputation and a, a scoreline at the end. Like so. Chill. Oh yeah, we we just say. I mean, um. I don't know if we have like we don't have anything as like distinct as a sheep station. Um, I guess we just say like you know we're not playing for keeps or like there's no stakes well, or it's no big deal. We'll get it together. You should be like we're not playing for a cattle ranch or something. You yeah, know, that, uh, that we're not playing for a uh, eagle feather. Up your up your game, America. Get get your uh, get your colloquialisms locked in, please. For the for, I the, have, sake, for the sake, I of have not yet met. Uh, a citizen of any country who can match the Australians for the uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know, you know, some someone's gonna gonna come up to me and, and give me just the most head spinning one ever. Now that I've said that, but I know the Aussies do it best. I think that, you know, I can't disagree with that. All right, other yeah. interests in life when you ain't doing the 40ks, what do you do for enjoyment? Ooh, brother, you think I have time other than 40k? Uh, um, <laughs> I, know, I know you probably don't because you're very much like me, but. Give us what you got. Oh yeah. Oh no no. J- jokes aside, um, I uh, I mean, shoot, I mostly use my non Warhammer time, which there is a small amount of, um, to uh, you know, like uh, go camping with the lady. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of American football, even though I possess literally zero talent for the sport myself. I like watching people more talented than me play it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh shoot. Um, I I play a lot of Warhammer, man. I mean, job job and hobby combined. I, I kind of moved out of a couple other hobbies. I used to be into running, uh, and now I play more Warhammer instead. Uh, so, so, you know, you can imagine that's been good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair. Um, so you're not like some of the other boys? You play you play the video games, play the other board games, get into other forms of nerddom? No, I mean, I I, I definitely keep up with, like, pop culture, uh, like nerdy pop culture. You know, like, I watch, like, every Star Wars and, you know, Marvel show and, and all, you know, all the basic stuff that comes out. I'm not actually much of a video gamer, which is, I, I think, a rarity among 40k players. Um, I didn't really grow up with video games. Yep. And so I never, like, really had that, like, you know, just, like, urge to sit down and just crank out a day, you know, like, grinding. Uh, like, I've never played WoW or anything like that. Um, I definitely, like, would love to, as, like, because it sounds like a nice, fun, relaxing thing. But then I, I just think, like, I don't have time for it. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like, I, like I, I got my first console ever, like, a year ago. And I like don't don't actually play it that much. That's cool. What'd you, uh, what'd you get? A Switch, the Nintendo Switch. Nice. This which is which is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but then like when we actually get down to it, I'm like I'm realizing I'm like oh uh, like oh like maybe I'll sit down for a couple hours. I'm like ah kind of have to kind of have to paint these Lehman Russ. Mm. And then I just like end up like you know putting on like a show that I've like already watched and like setting up a paint table and like painting a little bit in the afternoon. Uh, so uh, uh, honestly, it's way too many hours a week of Warhammer. At, at some point, I'm gonna have to wind that down probably soon. But uh. So far, we're we're maintaining full speed. No, totally fair. Do it while you can, I say. Uh, all right, so let's take a look at your ITC season so far. How have you Oof. made this miraculous third place that you were sitting uh, at the moment? So 
tell us about your season. Tell us about how it's gone for you, why it's gone so well, and where did it start? Where was your first big win or your first big score? Um, shoot. I mean, this season kind of started off with uh, I took a little bit of a break after last LVO, um, just because I, you know, I, I was very busy at the end of last season, kind of like it was this season, and then through LVO, and I, I kind of, I think I took February off completely. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I took February off completely and just, you know, you know, had like a, a good Valentine's Day. Um, and like, I think I went camp a lot. Uh, but then um, basically, I kind of picked up again with Adepticon where they, the Tyranid Codex was kind of starting to like appear on Reddit. Um, and so I took Harlequin's Adepticon, which I, which I actually deeply regret. Mm-hmm. But, like I'd been playing Tyranids mostly up to that point, And then it's like, eh, I've, I've read the new Codex because it's on Reddit. So like I don't want to play old Tyranids anymore, and it's like oh well none of my armies compete with Harlequins. Eh, there's a Harlequin army right here, you know. I just kind of like borrowed the house army, took it to Adepticon, didn't have a particularly fun time with it, and and I that was actually kind of like my like for like armies that kind of like was a moment of like I should be doing this better mm. because I didn't I didn't like Adepticon was a good event. Like I'm not saying it because Adepticon was bad or anything. I didn't really enjoy Adepticon. The meta, it was kind of be- I mean, I was there. The meta of Adepticon was disgusting it was, it was it was bad it was unhealthy it wasn't very fun harlequins aren't a very fun army to play at least the nine void weaver version was and i'm sure i would enjoy the more modern lists more because there were you know you need two brain cells to rub together instead of one <laughs> um but uh that was kind of where i was like i like took a moment i'm like i'm not really like feeling this anymore so when the tyranid codex came out i actually think i've taken tyranids to every singles event i've been to this year other than Adepticon. I'm looking at it right now, and you are correct, with the exception of uh, every singles event. Um, wait wait a sec. Wait a sec. Huckleberry Hoedown. What is this Knight's Renegade? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, took, I took Chaos Knights to an RTT. That's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you now you got me on that one. one. How dare you lie to us and the people? No, it's fine. Mm, everything I else, think, literally, every singles event is literally... Yeah, I think myth. the Huckleberry Hoedown was an RTT... After Tyranids got nerfed, that wasn't using the nerf. It was like the same weekend. Ah, uh, yeah. And it was like, I'm not taking a Tyranid army that's mm. dead, and I can't bring the new stuff. So I was like, I'm I'm just going to bust out of Chaos Knights and have fun. And yeah, uh, apart from that, that you... you Other played, than that, Tyranids did every single event. And you, yeah, you played ATC with Sisters, and you played the WTC with Custodes, and you did very, yeah. very extremely well at both. Um, but starting with the big single scores, was it Seattle that was the first... Yeah, Adepticon was a, Adepticon was a big single score. It um, was, but yeah. yeah, Seattle was definitely my my best event of the year, I suppose. Mm, tell us about that. What was the meta at the time, and uh, what did you bring? Because you have been bringing Kraken all year, and I'd say for nine months of this year, Leviathan was hands down the better choice. So tell uh, I, I actually for zero months this year was Leviathan the better choice. In your mind, or? Uh, no, it was better for two months before the Tyranny Codex came out, because Crusher. So, uh, okay, okay. Crack, Kraken's better the whole time. Sick. Fantastic. Yeah, Unpack. Easy. Continue. <laughs> Tell us a story. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the US Open in Seattle was, um, uh, that was peak Tyranid meta. That was like on release Tyranid meta, mm-hmm. where they hadn't gotten any nerfs. Um, they were just full speed ahead. Just, hey, here's a Tyranid book. They had put out the balance patch, so like Armor of Contempt existed, the indirect nerf existed, but Tyranids were just full speed. I think they had just docked Hail of Doom Eldar, which was like the only thing that could pretend. Yeah. It really like was. against against Tyranids. And so this was like in that very short period where you could still full play Tyranids before they got their very first nerf, like because uh, they got that in like three weeks. So this just this was just Tyranid meta just central. Um I, I took Kraken because um Kraken's more my playstyle. I really like fast armies, I like reliable speed. Mm. And I figured that if I was faster than other Tyranid players, I'd be able to beat them. And uh, sure enough, 
uh, every Tyranid Mirror I played, because uh, this was a week after the Dallas Open, and I took Tyranid Crack into that one as well. Both of those were the two events I played with unnerfed Tyranids. And I think I played the Tyranid Mirror three or four times, Oof. and none of them were cracking mirrors. And every time me being faster than my opponent got me a win. Well, I was about to say, because when you said Leviathan, sorry, Kraken was better, Leviathan was the two brain cell Tyranids, and Kraken was the, the 25 brain cell Tyranids, right? Yeah, I don't want to claim that, you know, like on release Kraken was anything like, you know, insane. It's not, you know, like, like a, you know, Eric LaFerce on Genestar Cult, but it was, it was more than Leviathan, you know, that was the three brain cell version. Hmm. Um, or it was like it's it kind of easy to play Kraken Brain Dead, but then if you if you wanted to play it well, you could. It, you mean it scaled up better skill wise than it, it definitely. I definitely yep. feel like Kraken has always scaled up better skill wise if yep. you put in the reps. Yep, I think I think I can't disagree with that statement. I mean, looking at the yep. stats and seeing that like not as like probably is in the ninety percentiles were playing Leviathan over Kraken, and then there was you. I think I think Inez for a while was playing Kraken, and then there was like some dudes playing. Uh, Innis was on Leviathan Harpies for a long time. Yeah, uh, he, he's, 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 he's yeah. made the he's made the switch. He's made the switch. I shouldn't give him the exception back then because yeah, he wasn't he wasn't worthy of it. But then there was yeah, some not, people... not until Warriors lost to Team did he did he switch to yeah. Kraken. Uh, there was quite a few people in Central Europe and Eastern Europe who were playing mm-hmm. uh, Behemoth quite well. Um, I even saw some Jormungandr out of them as well, which I thought was quite interesting in some different yeah, I mean, skew lists. But they're prepping for team events. They're pushing skews. Mostly. Of course. The depth of that book meant that you you had a lot of options for ways to do well. So there's there was a good build, you know, wherever you threw a dart. Yeah, totally. Uh, so US Open Seattle, what did that list look like, that Kraken list? And how did you tool it um, to go into the Leviathan? Um, I think at the time it was double Hive Tyrant, a big unit of Tyrant Guard, I want to say one Maliceptor. Pretty sure yep. it was only one. Yep. Um, I think I had. I think I had one Maliceptor. I think I had like fifteen Raveners, a couple units of Pyrovores, and the main way that I teched for um, for Leviathan was by taking less no zone throps and less Maliceptors, mm-hmm. because Mortal Wound output is really good in general, but Tyranids don't pay fair prices for their wounds, especially on release. Correct. And so when you had like a you know, like a Leviathan or like a Leviathan Maliceptor that was like, here's 10 mortal wounds, you know, kill like an almost an entire Terminator squad or a vehicle or a, like an armager. Yeah. Like that would kill like two Tyranid models and wound a third. Exactly right. You're and not- I was like, yeah, like I've got I've got a lot of Tyranid models like that's that's pretty OK. And then, if you know, you get your denies, you get your shadows, you get to do it back. Um, and then pyrovores were a really efficient way to kill Tyranid midsize bugs. Mm hmm. Where I had a crap ton of mid-sized bugs. I had good secondaries because I had to the last and stranglehold existed at the time. So to the last was just like, yep, I have two tyrants that you can't shoot and a unit that makes them not be shootable. Uh, so you know, have fun with to the last. And then like in the in the tyranid matchup, it was like, yeah, well, I'm better at killing mid-sized bugs than you. I have more mid-sized bugs than you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm faster than you, so I get to deliver. And yeah. then that just kind of got me in position to just once you win the midsize bug war, like big bugs kill midsize bugs fine, but they don't do it all at once and they still die in return. Correct. Because once you crack their midsize bugs first, your mortals hit their big bugs and then and, it's over. And in addition, it's it's a way harder to believe you're going to overrun um, away from it. Like, I mean, that, that was always the issue with the Leviathan mirror match was like your flyer and goes into their nine warriors bounces and dies so then what the hell do i do with my flyer because that's all i've got to put it into as well so 
<laughs> this guy even even worth in this matchup? It was like the, one of the only times that guy ever felt awkward. Um, yeah, he wasn't good in into Leviathan, but then like, but he was he was good at chopping up like the monsters, and he was good at killing harpies. Correct, uh, yeah. and like all of those kind of things. Yeah, spot on. Uh, what comes after uh, U.S. Open Seattle? Um, U.S. Open Seattle, I think. Uh, my, I think it was two team events. I think it was team event summer at that point. Yeah, I, I, uh, we got the first yeah. tier nerf, and they were still very good. Uh, but I think that was where I played. Um, I played. Uh, you know, I did like a a chaos knights RTT. I think I had like an undefeated second or something. Uh, then I think I took time where I just took the summer, and again I kind of you know was trying. I, I was trying not to go to as many events this year because I got a little burned out last year. And last season, I did more army hopping. I did more events, and I mm. think I had less fun. Like, I, I didn't actually have a good time last season. I, I, had, I had a good time, but like, it it wasn't fulfilling. Yeah, I think I felt that last year. I feel like I felt you you got to your position in the ITC and then went and played like ten more events. Well, not yeah, ten like, more I, events, but you know what I mean, like a, a bunch more events. This year, it seems like you've you've played it a lot leaner um, and still got the same result. Yeah, and, and la- last year I. I, I got to the peak, like I, I th- think I spent like a month or two uh, as number one, uh, and then I lost it going into LVO, and then I certainly didn't take it back. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I think this year I was just, I just kind of wanted to go a little bit slower. Just, I really all I wanted to do was get into LVO with the position of like, if I win LVO, I could win the ITC. Yep. That's enough. If I don't yeah. win LVO and I don't win the ITC, well, I can't be bad. I didn't win LVO. Exactly. I just don't want to win LVO and not win the ITC. That would be a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was content to just take it a little bit slower, have more fun, go to less events, save a little money, do, do things like that. Yeah, fair. Uh, so I think I just did team events for like an entire summer where like I think I didn't do an event until ATC. And I took Sisters to that because that was right on the Nephilim release. Mm-hmm. And um, was like, it was like a, like a week or two after Nephilim release is when we had to commit our armies. And uh, the team wanted me on Sisters uh, because that... Uh, uh, they were very strong out the gates with armor contempt, fresh secondaries, and yeah, I had a lot of yeah. Bloody Rose experience uh, from yep. the previous season. So I, I was more than happy to play Sisters, so I, I busted out a new list concept. Uh, we, we won that ATC. I was undefeated at that event as well, uh, which always feels good. Um, so uh, I was pretty happy with that. And then it was just all WTC prep where I took, a, where I took a, an abomination of a custodies list. <laughs> well, you, you took um, Imperial Knights in custodies form. Is the way when I looked at your list and I was breaking mm-hmm. it down. It's like, yeah, instead of taking, you know, Helverins and uh, you took Caladiuses, and instead of taking um, Warglaves, you took uh, Achilles and uh, Venerable Dreads. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the thing. I, I I did have a really good time with it, even though it was a very different style than what I normally played. And um, and I, I had I had a very good time at WTC. Obviously, that's an experience. Uh, Unlike any other, you can't really replicate the, the WTC experience. So I had a wonderful time, you know, a disappointing finish, uh, but uh, still still a fantastic uh, week and one that I am eager to uh, take another crack at. Man, I, I love hearing that. I love hearing that fourth isn't good enough for you. I re- that resonates with me very much. I, too, have said, have gotten fourth at a WTC and said, oof, that, that feels bad. Not getting a podium felt bad bad um, yeah fall, falling one spot off podium spot on definitely wasn't where i wanted mm-hmm. to be uh what comes after that we have we have wolves in atlanta we have us open chicago we have dallas we have kansas um which uh, dallas was one? dallas was before um so that uh what followed wtc so wtc was august yeah and again i took a break i didn't play a tournament in the month of september 
where I think, um, I think after WTC, uh, I came home, stayed home for the month, uh, took September, stayed home for the month. And then, um, October was when I, I kind of got ready to make a push for it again. Yep. And October through December, I basically hit four tournaments in a row with the same Kraken list. And that nice. was Crucible Orlando, GW Chicago, GW Kansas City, Wars in Atlanta. And this and, has all been, um, the, your most recent archetype, which is the, the sport, the sport cloud with all the Kraken BS. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it was it, it, right back to Kraken Tyranids. That's what I uh, definitely find myself happiest on of the meta that exists at LVO. It's the, it's the list I enjoy the most. It's, and I and I really wanted to call my shot and go into LVO with the same army that I, that I had been playing. So yeah. I ca- so I, ca- I called my shot in October, basically, where I was like, I'm going to play army until LVO because I, I checked in October, and in October their their document said we're not going to use the New Balance, you know, the new yep. Uh, yep. GT pack. For LVO, we'll use the Nephilim pack. So I figured I was safe, and it turns out it was a close call, but uh, ter- it turned out to be right. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, in that case, I'm just going to pick the army I enjoy the most that is competitive, and Kraken is very competitive. I don't think it's literally top dog, but it is very good and can play against the top dogs, and that, mm. that's enough for me. Uh, it's probably oh. still a top three faction. And I was like, I'm just going to play this until LVO. There and I'm just going to have a ton of reps, and I'm going to just prioritize that. John literally just Babe Ruthed. In October, he Babe Ruthed, pointed out into the stands and said... I'm gonna I'm gonna crack in needs at LVO and I'm gonna play them from now until then. That is a very rare thing to do, my man. That is a very rare thing to do for people like yourself, top player, expected to be it's expected to adapt and be on some fresh, cutting edge meta stuff to just be like, eh, I'm gonna play the same thing for five months. Yeah, it it was really it was it was because of last year. Hmm. You, you didn't Where... enjoy the grind, you didn't enjoy the hopping, you didn't enjoy the it was that, and then LVO, I played Custodes right after the book came out. Yeah. And Custodes were probably the best list in the game, and I think that for the way that I play the game, that wasn't the right choice. Because, I, you know, I mean, I, obviously, I, I'm, I'm aware that I'm a good player at Warhammer. I'm, you know, it'd be, you know, facetious to, to, to try to pretend I don't know that. But, like, I don't think that I should just take the best list in the game, slam it on the table, and hope that me, good player, on best list in the game is enough. Because that's what I did last year, where I... I was playing Tyranids with the Leviathan Supplement, not Crusher, because I hated Crusher Stampede. Mm-hmm. And I played that from, like, uh, like I want to say I played that from, like, last weekend of November through, um, like, through December. And I took it to, like, three events. And I kind of, like, started to feel better and better. Where I think I, I took it to Wars in Atlanta. I lost round one, but ended up pulling six wins out and, like, still had a, a good, like, top five finish or something. Maybe top eight. I, I don't know. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a bad finish. It wasn't great. Then I took it to GW Austin. I went, uh, started six and zero, made the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. tied to Richard, and they told me I lost tiebreakers. Yikes, so, uh, yeah. so he he got to go uh, go to the finals, and I I got kicked down. Uh, and then I took it to uh, uh, the Frontline Gaming New Orleans Open, and I won that one. And I felt like I had like kind of taken the same list, played it three tournaments in a row, gotten practice in between, and I'd gotten better at the list each time. Dude, uh, I well, I practiced. I was practicing with you. I remember playing Templars mm-hmm. into you a multitude of different times, um, with you having your double devour gaunt, or all, all that, all that good stuff you had back then. Yeah, and then uh, you felt the power of Custodes, and you're like, well, I just have to do this, right? So now you feel like you've learned a bit more of yourself as a player. You've, you, you, uh, you're defining your identity a bit more as 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 what you think suits you best. Exactly. Like I, I took Custodes Del Vio because I thought that the list had the power where uh, we did a practice game where I was able to beat 
Jack on Custodes with mm -hmm. my Leviathan list, mm -hmm. but it was such a near thing. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I was like, man, like this list that I've like been practicing my, you know, you know, my, my rocks off with for months and it's really good and I know it, but I had to do every trick I had yeah. to squeak a win on Jack and Jack picked this army up like three Jack, days ago. Yeah, like, like exactly the, right. the exactly book right. was, the book wasn't even on like in our hands yet. Like, and we, we weren't getting preview copies at the time. So this was just like the day that it went live, we screenshot everything on someone's YouTube channel and we yep. printed it out. Yeah. I think you were with us for that. Like we had just had like there. a stapled, like stapled together black and white custodies Co codex Correct. that had like, I don't even remember who we got it from. It had like striking scorpion 88, <laughs> like printed on every single page of the black and white codex Dude, we were using to practice funny. audio for. If people, it was if, funny. People who think they know what goes on in the art of Warhouse, And then they just see like essentially the Benny Hill music of me and Quinton sitting there with the book while you and Jack are playing and you're asking us questions. And we're like, hold on, hold on. We're flicking back this. And looking at this, and this is the profile, but you can do this strat and then, and then you can do that strat. And, but do you have that wall of trait? And then, the, and the, it was really funny. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a great, it was a great time, but like, Kind of that whole experience was me like switching off an army I'd been practicing a while. And and I think and then I lost round one at LVO with Custodes. And I was yeah. I lost to a great player. I lost to a difficult matchup. I had some bad dice, blah, blah, blah. I lost. You know? And I, I kind of thought was like, you know, like maybe I could have played out of like bad dice. Maybe I could have played out of a bad mission into a good player. Like I just didn't have I didn't have it. Like I didn't have the experience to know every intricate detail of the army. I had the stats memorized, I had the strats memorized. Yeah. I knew what the game plan was supposed to be, but I didn't know what plan D was. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know what my plan was after I went second, lost two dreadnoughts, and then fill the four-inch charge. You know, from that point yeah. on, I didn't know what my plan was, yeah. and I lost. We, we call it the one percenters. You don't know, you don't know how to make the one percenters occur. That'll, that'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know every little detail. So I, I really, like, this whole season, I've been like, all right, I really want to go into LVO as comfortable as possible with an army. Mm. I think it's a I really hope that is a big impactful statement for people out there because hearing one of the best players in the world say being comfortable with an army still matters. Reps still matter for me. I live, breathe, eat, defecate 40k and reps <laughs> being comfortable, you know, is still a huge deal. I love hearing that, mate, because people just have this assumption that guys like yourself can just pick up anything and go to a top table. And, you know, whilst that might have been true for Jack this season, it's horses hey, and courses. Jack, Jack he, did it a very, very different way than me. And, and it works for him. That's awesome. But exactly. I, I kind of found what worked for me. Exactly. you got to find what works for you. And I believe I, that's a beautiful uh, level of maturity uh, for yourself to, to be able to identify that. Um, all right, jumping into um your prep for lvo your mindset and what you are focusing on so how far in so people don't know but we're recording this a little bit before lvo um i won't tell you exactly when to keep some mystery about my practices mm -hmm. uh what is your prep like where do you feel like you're at with your prep for lvo right now yeah so um where we are right now um my list is on bcp but i theoretically could still change it um so we haven't hit the list deadline yet but my list is already in. Uh, I'm not doing a midnight alteration. My list is submitted. I know what I'm bringing, um, and I'm happy and I'm content with it. So like, I'm, I'm bringing Kraken and Tyranids. When is know? the sub? Yeah, uh, list sub is uh, what, what January sixteenth. Oh, beautiful. Uh, okay. Midnight in whatever Vegas yeah. time is. I think. Well, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the episode that comes out before LVO. So people will have people. The list will be locked in by the time people are listening to this. So if you want to break down your list, you go for it, mate. Oh yeah, I'm happy to. It's it's basically a conglomeration of the the Kraken list. So it is a slightly different version, but it is the same list. 
that I've been playing the whole time, basically. Um, and that where I'm at now with the list is that I've already determined what the list is, and okay. I've just been going through the matchups one at a time, getting a couple games in, making sure yep. I'm ready. Yep. So like I've played a lot into Harlequins, I've played a lot into Demons, I've 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 practiced the okay, the Tau player won both roll offs and is, you know, and is now shooting you turn one, what's your plan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. and that that one sucks. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I've I've gotten the plan out of it and I've gotten to the point where I I'm comfortable. I am capable of winning that match. Mm. It's not going to be an auto loss if I lose both roll offs. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, but if I win one of them, it gets better. So yeah. we're going to hope I get at least one of those. I used to call that the dig up stupid uh, practice. Um, you know, you, you, you're in the hole and you have to dig up. Yeah, you're starting down. Like you know, your opponent has Absolutely. the first turn. The deployment or the mission is favorable to them, and then cool, let's dig up from this point. Let's let's lay the problems on top of us. Um, and so, um, what is your mindset, and what do you? What's your what's your main focus? Are you focusing on being anti-meta? Are you focusing on um, just being comfortable and confident? Are you focusing on like dodging the shadow round, for instance? No, I'm going to play the shadow round. Um, yep. I, I would I would bet money that I'm in the shadow round. Uh, I, I would say I'm more likely to miss the shadow. I like I, I don't think I can not make the like not make the shadow round if I'm undefeated. Uh, Tyranids, I, I just the list doesn't drop hundreds on people yeah. Yeah. after round two. That is, that is fair because you're absolutely right. It's like an 85 to to 60, 85 to 50 is like yeah, if, scorecard. If I'm the only way I would get get out of, I would win out and then get out of the shadow round is if I got a lucky matchup on round four or five that got me a hundred that I couldn't expect at that stage in the tournament. Is that because but, of yeah, the, is that because um, of the missions on on four and five? Um, a little bit where uh, it's harder for me to max my primary. On some of those missions, mm-hmm. it's easier for me to deny my opponent's primary. So, like, it's fine. Like, I don't worry about that. But it's hard for me to get like a forty-five on primary every round. I'm like trying to get like a thirty-six to forty and keep my opponent out of twenty. Yep. And then my secondary is usually going to like roll, rock in around a, a thirty-something. Mm. And that's enough to get a W, but it's not enough to to skip the shadow round. So my mindset going in is the army that I'm the most comfortable with because I'm planning on having to play it a lot. Like I don't want that game four fatigue on day two, where I'm like, oh man, uh, was there a stratagem for this? Like, no, I've, yeah, I I know what stratagems I have. I know what my stats are. I'm not going to look up a, like a single statistic. Like, no one's going to ask me like, all right, what's the leadership on a tyrant card five? Like, uh, it's I'm not going to have to f- crack the book mm. for that. Um, so I'm going for the comfort, and I'm going for just having a playable match and everything. Yep. And uh, I'm going to be betting on me. You know, it's kind of like nice. I'm not I'm not trying to bet on the army. I'm not going to be like, oh, I think. Thousand Sons and Flamers has the best matchups in the game because honestly it does, um, and I know that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on me instead of the army because yep. if I'm not comfortable when I inevitably hit the difficult matchup, it's it'll be worse if I am on a better list than if I have comfort with it. Beautiful, yeah, I I like that. I love hearing that. Um, and and yeah, how much of your practice has gone into you know getting getting those reps? Or because uh, I mean. I assume it's almost a hundred percent because, like you said, your list has been almost locked in, so you haven't been jumping, having to jump around. You can just have the relaxing time of just figuring out how to play against stuff, right? Oh yeah, the the list that I submitted, I wrote um, first weekend of December. Yep, wow. Just been yeah, my Avila list has just been sitting in uh, Battle Scribe since the first weekend of December. Fantastic. I mean, um, I, I think that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, and I've just, I've just, I've just been getting the reps, and it's, I'm, I'm no longer making decision points. I had people ask me some good questions about changing the list, and I looked yep. at, it and I was like, Nah, I'm just going to play what I've got. Question, the question for you: How far before LVO had Broviathan been discovered and locked in? 
Ooh, <laughs> a dirty little secret there. Uh, early December. Early December as well. I was about to say because yeah. I think I feel I think I know they answered that question. I just wanted to get out there for people as well. So that is interesting. Just for yeah, probably people's... more mid, probably more mid December, but yeah, well, uh, I know definitely was... definitely in December. So I know I came over for Charity Hammer that mm-hmm. year, which was the first weekend of January, and I know you guys had well and truly mm-hmm. locked it in by then. Like, yeah, well, I think we. That's I think that's where we met. Is that where we met? That's where we met. Yeah, that's where we met for the very yeah. first time. Yeah, in 2020. Did, did I tell you about Reviathan at Charity Hammer? Because no. I know we were keeping it close. I didn't. You didn't tell anybody anything. Nobody okay. knew. I remember I was keeping it close to the chest. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys all, we all, everybody there. So I just 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 to put out a bit of Charity Hammer law for you. That was one of the reasons that um, Charity Hammer has changed in year because you guys all rocked up and were playing various different things, and we all could we we were all be like. These guys are up to something. There's, there's something's not quite right about this. And then we realized all of you had been sitting on this absolute freaking meta-ending juggernaut list, and none of you bought it to Charity Hammer. The weekend, the, the whole purpose of Charity Hammer was to be like the expose before LVO. But then you have all these top players coming who can't bring their best list because other people will meta it, crack it. It won't win the. It, it might not win the event now. And then Charity Hammer's like, ah, we're gonna change because it's losing. I just value. didn't want to have to plan for the mirror. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, well, if, you, if you, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack wasn't there at the time, so it would have been you versus Siegs versus, and possibly Nick partaking the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there would have been a, well, there would have been a lot of them. But and, sure. and so, funnily enough, Nick was the one at that charity hammer playing the thing closest to Broviathan because he was playing. Was he playing? He had the Redemptor. He had the Iron Hands Redemptor. Exactly right. He had and Contemptor. He had the character Contemptor mm-hmm. and the Iron Hands Redemptor. Yeah. Um. But he was playing his his Colgate Marines, the the toothpasty boys. Oh yeah, those were. Those are st- I still have to stare at those sometimes. Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh man, so 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 funny. So, um, will are you gonna win? You gonna win, Elvio? Uh, honestly, this is the best I've ever felt going into it. Dude. And it's... that doesn't mean I'm going to, mm-hmm. but. It, and, you know, of course, I'm going to back this up by then immediately losing round one again, and I'll probably <laughs> play Age of Sigmar. But this is as good as I have ever felt going into LVO. That is fantastic. I'll, I'll say that, where I, I feel like I am both on the I'm on the right combination of an army that can do it and an army that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And that's as much as I think I can ever ask for. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think you can, get, you can get much better than that. All right, transitioning over to some other little bits and pieces questions. Just trying to patch in another 10 minutes of this bad boy before we sign off. Um, <laughs> tips for people out there attending a huge, gigantic mammoth event like LVO. How to, I mean, it might be too late for people to get, uh, uh, depending on when this comes out, it might be too late for people to get their practice in. But how to manage your time at the event, how to get the most out of Vegas, out of the LVO, how to get the most enjoyment out of whatever their, their personal goals are. Um, honestly, best thing you can do is going into the event. And I I don't mean like in the airport. I mean, like before you get there, really think about what you want out of LVO, because some people want to play Warhammer while catching up with all of their friends at the same Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, whenever you go to like majors, you always see a couple friends. LVO, you see all of your friends at the same time. If you are an addict like me who uh, travels to tournaments and all of my friends do too. Um, so you get to see everyone at once, but then like, if you're there for that and the late nights of Vegas and the stories and the experience, build a list with that in mind, you know, like don't bring the super complex army that's going to give you a headache and have every game, you know, going down to three Oh one, you know, like don't play Jeanster cult. If you're there to catch up with your buddies and, you know, and maybe enjoy the sights and sounds and smells of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you are there for the tournament, if you are there for all of that, 
uh, don't don't go to Gordon Ramsay's steakhouse at three in the morning and, uh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, and hire a new friend, you know, like you're you're not going to feel good the next morning. So just I think I think really like it's just like know what you want out of an event going in. And this goes for everything where like, you know, like honestly, like sometimes people ask me like, oh, yeah, hey, John, you want to go out to dinner tonight? And I'm like, yeah, well, like, honestly, like what, what kind of dinner? Because like I'm, I'm hoping to be in my hotel room at 10 a, at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And where if like if I'm undefeated and, and like, you know, trying to and I know it's going to be hard round in the morning, you know, like I've just made top eight. Like, like, yeah, like when I made top eight at LVO, I'm pretty sure I was in my I think I was in bed while the shadow round was in deployment. Wow. Like, wow. like I got food. I brought food to Richard, who was playing the shadow round, dropped it off with him, asked if I could stay. They said no. I went upstairs, got in bed, put uh, the uh, the, you know, the frontline gaming stream on the, the hotel thing. And uh, and I, that was it. Amazing. That, that's yeah. yeah phenomenal. Is, if, if you know me well, that's a very John thing to do. <laughs> It is extremely. Oh, where where we? There was a Defticon, right? We went and got a deep pan pizza. We ate like a third of it and then all passed out. Um, yeah, uh, the, yeah, like yeah. we all had things to do in the morning. Like I, I, we all wanted to be awake for them. We were we were content we're just, with that. We're just wild. I had a great time. We're just we're just wild, man. We're wild and free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so how do you set those expectations? How do you decide what you want out of a tournament? Oh man. Um, I mean, that, that kind of comes with, with practice, honestly, where like you go to events and you realize, you know, where, uh, um, like wh- where you had the best times. Like when you think about like, you know, the tournament you enjoyed most in the last year, was it the one where you were at a bar at 1 a.m. with, you know, with your yep. buddies? And if yep. so, awesome. That's great. That's great. You know, it's, a, it's an awesome way to enjoy Warhammer. Or was it the one where you did the best? And and then like and a, and a and a month later you don't actually care what you did that night because you can go to a bar in your hometown with your friends. It really was the performance that mattered most. And that hangover that cost you a game, you know that that sticks with you. You know you you kind of find out by going. But uh, if if you if you don't already know the answer, sometimes it helps to just ask it like out loud, you know, rather than having the internal dialogue. Like actually think like, oh, what actually makes me happy at Warhammer? Yeah, dude, perfectly said. A bit of, bit of self reflection. What, what what brought you the joy? Uh, where did you get the what? Which which gave you the best dopamine? <laughs> which, yeah, you know, like which, which one do you remember? You know, the most fondly. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I like that answer a lot. Uh, and on that note, I think we might just wrap this episode up. Uh, I don't want to drag it out too much. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. We're going to go over and record part two now as well. We're going to go a little bit deeper into the psyche of John. Uh, you know, little John growing up, some 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 of the terms and the T's and C's of uh, oh, no. of, of John's <laughs> life, so to speak. Uh, it, what makes him good at 40K? Why is he successful at it? What, what do you think that the skills or attributes that have contributed to this? Well, how does he define himself as a player? We've, just, we've heard quite a bit of that already, but I want to delve deeper into who John is at the table. What what is what is his 40K identity? Favorite miniatures, high points in life, low points in life, those such of things. If that interests you at all, please join us at Art of War Down Under over on Patreon. And thank you very much for listening to this episode. John, this is your time to plug the things the second time. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to get more Art of War content, if uh, Mr. Adam Camilleri, who is enough for anyone, but if you want it even <laughs> more, uh, you can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Art of War 40K. Or you could even go to our website, our brand new fancy website, theartofwar40k.com. Uh, if maybe you've, you've been in the worm in the past, uh, we've made some upgrades. So uh, if, you've, if you've had us and lost us and you maybe want to take another uh, look, now is a great time to do it. We've spent a lot of time updating the quality of our content, uh, trying to make it you know, better, smoother, 
you know, just just easier to access, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, now's a good time. So go to the war room. You can get high level coaching from myself, Jack Harpster, Richard Siegel, Nick Nadavati, many, many more high level professional international players. Uh, make sure you check it out. It's a wonderful global community where we're all focused on getting better at the hobby we love. Fan freaking fantastic! Couldn't recommend it more. If you uh, have any of those goals or aspirations, or we just want to, just want to learn and keep up with the game. Yeah, jump in. Art of War, hopefully, is the tip of your tongue when you tell people about how to be better and get better at 40k. And on that note, we'll, we'll sign off. Come and join us over on part two. Thank you very much, everybody who's migrated over from the website and joined me over on the Patreon. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing. I do have little bite-sized twenty-minute extra bonus bonus episodes coming out over on the patreon as well specifically talking to talking points laid out by the patreon group like the, the first one i did was on just just a faction focus on necrons about how to try and do what they're doing at the moment via different means you know with the loss with getting hit marginally at every level you know secondaries uh, balanced artists late etc um um, how to how to maintain what they've got to the best of our abilities and then how to do something a little bit different and kind of mix things up. So any of those if interest you, they'll be coming out every week also. And yeah, hopefully uh, you continue to support Art of War and everything that we do. Time to say goodnight, John. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.